What is up? Welcome in. It is the second post loons in a row coming at you after a Minnesota United victory. 1-0 over FC Dallas at Allianz Field. Late goal coming from the foot of Robin Lode. And joining me tonight to break it all down is Sam from Pod on You Loons. Sam, we got a lot to talk about. And uh, again, some exciting stuff to talk about on the post game show tonight. Yeah, Jeremy, super psyched to be here. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Uh, prior to this, I was honestly, so you you texted me, I think a couple of days ago, but I was trying to think of a witty tweet to make the tweets yeah. of the night uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to get onto the show just because yeah. I've been a fan of watching it and then got there the invite go. to join you. So psyched well, to be here, man. I appreciate you joining me. And like I said, we have a lot to talk about. A 1-0 Minnesota United win. Um, and just, uh, it, it's what this team needed, um, going all match long. You just felt like they were knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and they finally get that goal. Um, uh, we're going to start things off a little bit differently. Normally we go in the game notes, kind of go moment by moment. We're going to start off with three things is what we're calling it. Three things, three, just kind of high level observations, takes, uh, things like that. But before we do that, we want to know what you thought of the match. So if you're watching here on the stream, leave your comments, leave your questions, um, leave your overall takes. If you just want to leave a ton of exclamation points, a ton of W's, you could do that too. If you want to comment the lyrics to Wonderwall, by all means, go for it. Uh, we'll put it up on the on the post-game stream here. And actually, since we are presented by our good friends at Night Street Soccer and Coffee there in Minneapolis, um, we're actually going to uh, do a little bit of a giveaway tonight. So if you leave a comment, a question, something for us to answer or respond to here on the stream, we're going to be giving away a one-hour field rental at their facility at 801 Ninth Street Southeast in Minneapolis. They have a beautiful indoor soccer field there. So if you want to rent that out for yourself and your friends for a full hour, that's a $50 value, just go, uh, just leave us a comment, leave us a question, and just include a coffee cup emoji in that comment or question so we know that you want to be entered in the giveaway. Um, it can't just be the coffee cup, though. You have to give us something to answer, something to respond to. So definitely leave those comments, whether you're watching on Twitter or on YouTube. Leave those comments and just include a coffee cup emoji at the end, wherever you want to throw it, and you'll be entered to win that one-hour field rental from our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. Um, big thanks to them again for uh, sponsoring Post Loons. Derek and the guys over there are awesome. And if you haven't been out tonight, Street Soccer and Coffee, I would highly recommend it. It's such a cool place. I'm such a big fan of theirs. Um, and they're going to have uh, you know Minnesota United watch parties for away matches, uh, a few away matches as we enter the season too. So definitely go follow them on Twitter at Night Street MPLS and uh, check out their website, Night Street mpls.com that's n-i-n-t-h-s-t-r-e-e-t-m-p-l-s.com to learn about everything night street soccer and coffee so while people are leaving their comments and leaving their questions sam let's go ahead and get into our three things and since you are the esteemed guest here i'll let you go first yeah thank you jeremy so since i am the first one i i actually think you're passing the buck because that means i get to address the elephant in the room of right, uh, brent coleman yes brent coleman being on the starting lineup ahead of juca ritalia uh as baki debasi continues to recover from injury and mm -hmm. so my first takeaway from the game is to tell you all that brent coleman is still in his plans yeah um not gonna lie 
I kind of wish Ethan was here from your 10K Pitches podcast because <laughs> I got a rom-com analogy. Okay, and- love it. Hit, hit me with it. <laughs> So Adrian Heath is the Ted Mosby type and he's moving in with his girlfriend for the first time. And the vocal portion of the loons fan base that's done with uh, Brent Coleman is the girlfriend. Ah, and so the Ted Mosby type has his piece of decor from bachelorhood that he really likes, maybe like a neon beer sign or something. And the girlfriend is like, I thought we decided your beer sign should stay in storage. And the <laughs> Ted Mosby type is like, did we? Um, you, you know, the the real big difference here, though, is that it's 2021 and people tend to choose who they enter a romantic relationship with. And in the case of Loon supporters, uh, some of some of you will not feel that your relationship with Heath is is by your choice. It's more of an arranged marriage. <laughs> But Coleman is in Heath's plans, and going forward, you should not be surprised to see him in the lineup, um, especially given that Raytelia did not perform poorly leading up to this game. I, I don't know about you, Jeremy. I have my only guess as why Coleman was selected was it maybe it had something to do with Ozzy not being in the lineup and Ozzy not being yeah. able to assist with that back line uh, from the six. And for that reason, maybe Coleman is rated higher by Heath and the coaching staff from a pure defensive standpoint than Retalia. And possibly for that reason, he was given the start. Yeah, it could be one of the few rotation moves that Heath made too, considering um, how many games in a row they've played. But also, speaking of rotations, you know, you don't have another game for two weeks at this point too. So, um, you know, there are there are both, uh, I, I guess, advantages and things going against that particular um, aspect of it. But um, it, it just all depends. Obviously, Brett Coleman did not have a great match, did not have a great performance against Seattle in his first showing. Um, didn't get a lot of time in the match against Colorado. Obviously, a lot of Loons fans were not happy that he was entered into the game against Colorado, considering what was happening. Uh, but you know, overall, the full sample size on Brett Coleman is he's he's a solid he's a solid defensive player. He's a very solid center back, right? So if if we go by the larger body of work. Uh, Brent Coleman obviously has more of a sample size and more of a body of work for Minnesota United than Juca Raitala. Raitala has been amazing. Raitala has been fantastic for Minnesota United. He has done everything they have asked him to do, but I'm kind of with you, Sam, maybe on this, that hierarchy of pure defensive uh, consistency and kind of who he trusts there on the back line. Maybe Coleman does kind of supersede Raitala in that particular aspect. But um, personally, if, if it wasn't a rotation move and both guys are 100%, I would have gone Raitala because, again, I think he's been fine. But, again, we're not there at training every day. We're not there kind of in those meetings, in those, in those discussions. So um, kind of hard for me to say either way. Yeah, I, I agree, too. It's when we host these podcasts or we come on these shows, it's – I, I think sometimes we pretend we have the answers, but the truth is, is that Adrian Heath knows more about his squad than we do. We watch the games, we read the articles, we get all the information that we can, but at the end of the day, he knows why he made his choice. We have to guess. So mm. it's uh, fortunately tonight it worked out for him. Yes. Yes, it did. Um, Sam, go ahead and give us number two. Uh, point number two, this game just felt different. So I, I don't yeah. have a rom-com analogy for this. It just felt like it was a big game. I know it's only the sixth game of the season. It did not feel like the typical sixth game of the season. It felt big. It felt like it mattered to the players. 
you had players just throwing their bodies at the ball, not in crucial moments. Like you saw, right. Hassani dives for the ball as, as he's uh, going towards the goalkeeper, knowing he's going to collide with the goalkeeper. That, that was a crucial moment, right? Hassani could have possibly scored a goal there, but you saw players just diving for the ball just to maintain possession or try to gain yeah. possession. And right. Like, that's just not what we have been seeing uh, the previous five games. So yeah. players really threw everything out there. And even the body language was different, right? It like, was. I agreed. I remember seeing Reynoso smiling after that 30th minute shot. Mm -hmm. he, he looks at the camera and he smiles. Like it looked like they were having fun. And it, was, it was interesting. It was like a relaxed intensity. Yeah. Like they were intense. They had the pedal to the floor, but they were also, they were also weren't like, too worked up like you could tell by by the body language like you said that they were relaxed but they were they were going full board which was excellent to see i think that's like the perfect mix of what you want to see from this particular minnesota united team i i would agree i would agree it maybe it wasn't especially the first half maybe it wasn't the beautiful game that no. a lot of people <laughs> would enjoy agreed but it was it was fun to watch uh you mm -hmm. think about the neutrals watching and even even some of the American sports fans that aren't as accustomed to soccer, despite it being zero zero until way late in the game, this felt like the kind of game that people would find entertaining. And yep, agreed. All right, and then um, let's go with number three. Uh, just we'll we'll make this real short. Two clean sheets in a row. Love it. Beautiful. Yeah, that's that's great to see. And again, that when you look at at Minnesota United in seasons past, you know, clean sheets usually. I mean, if you look at any team, I guess clean sheets lead to three points usually. But um, you know, Minnesota United has been a team that that really uh, not necessarily relies on it, but they've been able to you know put out clean sheets consistently. Whether it's Tyler Miller or Dane St. Clair, or, uh, you know, whoever um, in the uh, Vito Minone, you know. Whoever is there between the posts, it's always been Minnesota United has been so blessed with quality goalkeeper play from 2019 on, right? From Vito to Tyler, now to Dane St. Clair, back to Tyler. It's just, it's been so solid for Minnesota United over these last three seasons. Um, and that's really kind of been one of the main focal points as to why they've been so successful. But I agree with you, Sam. Two clean sheets in a row is huge. Uh, before I get into my three things, if you're watching on the stream, remember, leave us a comment, a question. If you're watching on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up. That would be great. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do that. Whether you're watching on Twitter or YouTube, though, if you leave a comment or a question for us, you're going to have a chance to win a one-hour field rental from our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. So be sure to do that. Just include a coffee cup emoji in that question or comment, and you'll be entered to win that one-hour field rental. But it's got to be a question or comment about the match for us to answer. So please go ahead and do that. Um, my three things. Uh, my first thing tonight is that this team early on was much tighter defensively than they have been in the previous matches this, this season. We have seen uncharacteristically, uh, I would say poor defense, but very poor defensive mistakes that have led to quality chances for the opposition. Um, tonight, I thought things were much tighter on the defense. Yeah, there were a couple of moments where, where you know, you kind of, uh, you know, but for the most part, this team was very solid defensively, kind of, kind of, reminded me of the Minnesota United of the last two seasons. It's really been able to trust that back line to be that brick wall um, to keep the, you know, keep those clean sheets that we just talked about. 
So that was excellent. Uh, number two kind of goes to what you said. Oh, sorry, Sam, go ahead. I'll let you respond to that. Well, and I was just going to say, yeah, Dallas did have a couple of opportunities, but and they even, I, I believe at the end of the day, they led in possession, but they did not have a lot of shots, uh, no. especially shots on goal. At and, some point, it was like 16 to four Minnesota. I don't know how it ended up, but that was that was the difference in shots at one point in the second half. Very lopsided. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and again, testament to the defense and a testament to uh, how they played tonight. Um, number two kind of reverts back to what you're talking about, the two clean sheets in a row. Also another quality performance from Tyler Miller. Even though the defense was stout, like I just said, Miller was also excellent. Made a few big saves when they needed him. Um, you could definitely, you can just tell, and this has been said, you know, on many podcasts, including yours, probably Sam over the last week or so, but Miller's just so, so vocal. Like he is such, such a facilitator in that goalkeeper role, which is one, one kind of low key, big portion of being a goalkeeper is being that facilitator of the rest of the squad. So he is, uh, he's, he was excellent in that tonight. He made a few big saves. So uh, excellent work from Tyler Miller. My question, though, speaking on that, is where does this leave Dane St. Clair? Because we've had now two starts in a row from Tyler Miller. Are you really going to sit him back down in favor of DSC after these last two performances? I mean, it's one of those good problems, right? You have two great goalkeepers, but now what do you do with the one that's sitting on the bench? I've, I've thought a lot about this, and I, I don't know. Part of me wants to think about American football. I, I know on soccer programming, we don't, we don't like to reference American football, but there's that old cliche that if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And yeah. I think we want to apply that to goalkeeping. But then on the other hand, you look at how things are done in so many leagues around the world, and they, they tend to have a couple of quality goalkeepers on, on hand. Right. Like you saw Manchester City starting Zach Steffen in all of their cup games this year, or or at least in the more recent cup games. I don't follow Man City, but you you have you have the cup goalkeeper. Well, here here in the United States, our cup, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Um, we thought we were going to have a league's cup that yeah. that's up in the air. We thought, or was that full out canceled? I I think the league's cup was, I think the league's cup has been canceled. I know the U S open cup has been canceled. Yeah. Yeah. League's cup, U S open cup. We don't have these competitions. So we have two quality goalkeepers. You have to have some sort of a rotation. I think both goalkeepers have established themselves enough within the team where the defenders have chemistry with them and the defenders are able to know how to play with those goalkeepers and know how to position themselves around those goalkeepers that I think right now we're just looking at, it's a good problem to have. I don't think five years from now, we're going to have both of them on our roster. I would honestly be surprised if next year we have both of these goalkeepers on, yeah. on our roster. I think at least one of them is good enough to move, but right now it's just a good problem to have. I'm not really, I'm not really interested in overthinking this right now. No. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not one of those things where like you can plug either of them in and this team's going to be fine. It's not going to ruin any cohesion or any momentum either way for, for this team plugging in either Dane St. Clair or Tyler Miller. And I think it is important to get them both on the field to make sure neither of them get 
too cold, right? You can't just sit them on the bench for a handful of games in a row because they need to get out and they need to get that field time. They need to get that game time in order to kind of stay at their, at their full potential. Right. So, and I also think it's great from a training perspective too. Like you have two goalies who are pushing the crap out of each other, probably in training. I mean, each one of them knows that if they just have one misstep, I mean, look what happened with Dane one misstep and here comes Tyler Miller. I don't know if that's related at all, but it was the game after Dane St. Clair made the one mistake that he has made in a Minnesota United uniform that Tyler Miller comes in and gets to start. So, I mean, it, it really is that cutthroat right now at the goalkeeper position for Minnesota. And I think that competition really does bring the best out of both guys. I would agree. All right. And my, uh, my third thing, very, very simple, such a deserved goal from Robin Lode. I mean, he has been, anytime he gets the ball, you almost don't want to like stand up in your seat a little bit because like what's Robin going to do now? Because he has been just absolutely crossing defenders up. Sorry to use a basketball term, but he has been crossing defenders up all season long, just putting himself in great goal goal or goal scoring positions. I should say almost like goalkeeping positions, goal scoring positions. And he, I mean, he deserved that goal. He has been he has been so good for Minnesota United, so consistent in this uh in this season in all the different positions that he is expected to play right he's played the nine he's played on the left he's played on the right i mean it's so great to see him i know he got a goal uh earlier on this season but to get the game winner now granted it wasn't the prettiest goal in the world but at the end of the day you put it in the back of the net you win the match it doesn't really matter um and i was just so happy that he was the one to actually uh give minnesota united the win tonight yeah psyched for him Psyched for him. Shout out to the Lud Bros. Uh, the the term I have for our mutual friend Grant from the Dummy Run and my co-host on Pod on You Loons, James. They believed in him all along. They bought his jersey, uh, even when the goals weren't coming. And you see it paying off for Robin Lud and everyone that believed in him. So, yeah, R- Robin Lud always. Tonight's goal, it seemed like he was in the right place at the right time, but that's oversimplifying it because it takes a lot of intelligence to always be in the right place at the right time. So, yeah, and that's that's a great point you made, Sam, considering how how maligned he kind of was after his first season or so in a Minnesota United uniform. And to come back and just have have the performances, the consistent performances that he's put on kind of really solidifies himself as, you know, one of the top quality guys that this team has. Um, so that that is great. Um, again, if you have a question, comment, feel free to drop it in the chat. Give us a thumbs up if you are watching us on YouTube. And then uh, also uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't yet as well. We got a lot of great stuff coming up. Um, our, my co-host on uh, 10K, Ethan Brandt, is doing a weekly college conversation. Well, bi-weekly, I guess, where he's talking to different college coaches and players from around the area and or around the areas in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So that is really cool. That's coming up on our YouTube channel. Um, and then as the season moves on, we'll have more content on YouTube aside from just uh, pot on, or excuse me, I almost said pot on your loons, post loons. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to find pot on your loons on the 10 K uh, YouTube channel. Um, shout me, out to our- you, you can put it there if you want. I- <laughs> <laughs> hey, give me the content and I'll throw it up there. Uh, Night Street, uh, really, uh, really thankful for your guys' support. Thank you so much. Dave Stevens said, Gasper going forward actually looked good for a change. His late effort and shots led to the goal. That is one, actually, he, Dave says for a change here, but honestly, that is one of the positives that I've actually seen from Gasper. Um, now, 
is it a positive that he's getting that far up the field so consistently? Maybe not. But the work he has done in the attacking third in terms of sending crosses in and putting Minnesota United in goal-scoring chances and his distribution in that portion of the, of the pitch has been pretty consistently great. But yeah, I, I think, think tonight uh, he more like pick and, picked and chose his spots a little bit better. Um, and you saw it that pay dividends on the defensive end as well. He was much better defensively too. So yeah, I agree with Dave and all around just much better performance from Chase Gasper tonight. Thoughts? Oh, for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chase, Ga Chase Gasper is one of our guys and yeah. I know he's been struggling. He knows he's been struggling and mm -hmm. it was good to see him have a good game. It, it, I don't know. There, there's not much more to say it. It's almost like he had not to use another, how I met your mother reference, but it's almost like he had the yips, uh, yep. where he, he just, he was in his own head and it was good to see just shake that out a little bit. Maybe last game, right. Last game, there were still a couple of chase Gasper mistakes that just didn't lead to any, any goals for the opposition for Vancouver. And maybe that was all he needed to shake things off and just, Today things things look much more solid all along, all all around. So yes, yes, they did. Also, before I forget, want to give a shout out to uh you know the the Mingo or the, excuse me, the the Loon Cousins, the Mingos over there in Madison. Late winner for them too. Uh Derek Gebhart in stoppage time uh for the first match back at Bree Stevens Field, giving the Mingos a one-nil win uh at home. So it was, it was interesting. It was like three minute difference. Mingos get their game winner, and then three minutes later. Robin Lode puts in the game winner for uh, for Minnesota United. So if you're a fan of both both squads, uh, great night for you and a great sort of three-minute span for sure. Yeah, shout out to my hometown, Mingos. I can't wait to be there. I'm going on June 12th. I have tickets. So Oh, nice. That'll be fun. I am jacked. Yeah, I, I, I have to get out there to a game. Obviously, hosting the uh, Talk and Flock podcast every Monday with Rob Chappell from Madison 365, talking all things forward Madison. We'll have a fun episode on Monday to talk about. Uh, but I got to get out to Madison for a match because, uh, you know, Bree Stevens is is one of the more unique places uh, in, in, in the best way possible to, uh, to take in some soccer. So um, definitely got to get out there. Definitely got to see the Mingos in person for the first time. Have you ever been out to a match, Sam, or is that going to be your first one? I went to the... I went to the match where Minnesota United played friendly against for forward Madison. Okay. So that so far was the only one I went to. And I, I have the split scarf. I, I know people have feelings about split scarves, but I was like, it's my, it's my hometown Mingos uh, <laughs> against yeah. my, my current city, uh, Minnesota United. I was like, I, I got to do it. Yep. That's, I mean, I wish I would have gone to that because that is like the perfect, uh, perfect mix. And then at that point you had guys from Minnesota United playing for forward Madison as well. Kind of when they had that little unofficial partnership there, uh, where, you know, I mean, Dane St. Clair has played for forward Madison, Hassani Dotson. Uh, I think Chase Gasper suited up a couple times. I, so I don't think Dotson ever did. Oh, he, oh, he did not. I thought for sure he did. Maybe you're right though. I mean, you would probably, no. I mean, being from Madison, you would know better than me. Well, and remember Dotson started in like the first several uh, games of that 2019 season for Minnesota or not started, but he made appearances in those games for Minnesota United. So yeah, true. I, true. I do not think he was down there. I do remember at that game, Mason toy had been spending time in Madison yep, and toy. Mason toy, toy suited sure. up for Minnesota United in that game. And I think he scored the winner for Minnesota United. It's pretty cool. Okay. That's awesome. 
That is awesome. Uh, so moving on here, just just uh, I want to get into a little bit of these game notes here, and just kind of overall, um, you know, how this how this match went down. Um, speaking of Robin Lowe deserving that late goal in the 18th minute, the little dummy that he did, the pass from Dotson where he dummied it for Finley and then he got it back but sent the shot wide. I mean, that is just, I mean, he, his instincts and his work on the ball, just anytime he's around the ball, he seems to make that exact right decision or, or kind of like that next level right decision where it's not just, okay, I'm going to receive this and put a shot on goal. It's like, oh, I'm going to dummy it because I know the guy's behind me and then he's going to get it right back to me and I'm going to get a much better shot. Like that is the type of quality, like that just kind of that, that, that just little bit extra that Robin Lode has provided um, that we really haven't seen uh, from Minnesota United in years past in terms of just one guy who's just that influential and that just locked in on in on or around the ball like Robin Lode has been has been that this season. I, I would agree. I would agree. I loved uh, I loved what Robin Lode was doing with the ball. I couldn't believe how many times I just saw Emmanuel Reynoso though, just outright sprinting down the field with the ball. Yeah. It was, al- it was almost as if we were playing FIFA and just holding, <laughs> I, I'm not a gamer, uh, but I know, I know enough to know that you hold down that side button and it makes your player go fast. Yeah. The right, the right trigger. Yep. And you just assume that eventually they're going to like just collapse, pull a hamstring, die. I don't know. Yep. But, but between the two of them and, uh, really all of our guys just playing so hard all night. Kendra almost seemed to jinx it towards the end. She yeah. made it. It was before our, it was before our goal by Robin Lud, And she, she made a comment about like, I, I just don't know how, how much more these guys can take before they're going to start getting tired. And yeah. that was one of after not after Dallas, not having many chances all game long, Dallas, Dallas finally, was on the counter attack yep. and our guys were rushing to get back. And uh, yeah. for, fortunately that worked out for us, but the, the energy level from our guys and the play from our guys tonight, it just, I don't know. I, yeah. I know I'm just repeating what my, what my second point was earlier in the show, but it was fun I to mean, watch. It's, it's such a big point though, especially considering how, how many matches this team has played. I mean, this was their, this is their third match in a week. Uh, you know, at at that point you would expect guys to be completely gassed in the second half, which I mean, a few of the guys did. I mean, Kendra was right. And she was making an astute observation. Like some of those guys like gassed, but just the effort to kind of try to overcome that. And just, I mean, I saw after she said that you see Hassani Dotson sprinting back on, you know, to, to try to get, get back on a counter attack. And it's like, he's played all match. And like you said, Reynoso and just all these guys just, I mean, it was 100% effort the entire match in spite of how winded they must have been, especially late in the second half. And that to me, uh, you know, kind of back to your second point earlier in our three things, you know, that, that was, that was huge. And, and if they didn't put out that effort and they didn't dig that deep and provide that little bit extra, I mean, I don't know if we're talking about a win or maybe even a draw tonight. Cause uh, that, that was, that was, they needed every bit of it uh, to get that win. Um. Moving on here, though, scary moment in, I believe, the 20th minute. Uh, Hassani Dodson attempts to get to a through ball and slides right into Dallas goalkeeper Felipe. Uh, luckily, both end up back on their feet and looked okay, but that was a, that was a very scary moment. I mean, Dodson was down for longer than, than the goalkeeper even was. 
Um, and I mean, obviously that's, that's, that's not a guy that Minnesota United can, can afford to lose. Yeah. When, when that happened and I saw they were both down, I, because when you're watching it and the camera is zoomed out and you're, you're watching at full speed, it almost looked as if Hassani Dotson would have kicked Felipe in the head. And so that, that was what I was most worried about seeing was, oh my gosh, like, is there a head injury? We, we don't want that. Um, it looked, and I haven't gone back and really checked, but it looked like Hassani maybe more just got the wind knocked out of him. It looked like Felipe's, maybe, maybe it was his knees just kind of slid right into Hassani's torso. Um, glad to see, obviously that was the 20th minute and we saw both of them playing and playing hard for the rest of the game. So I'm assuming they're both okay. I hope they're both okay. Um, but yeah, definitely a scary moment. Uh, NWB says we need the bye week. What is the lineup for RSL? The bots, the in, Unu in, Fragapane in. Well, Fragapane isn't even signed at this point. So we'll see, we'll see about that. I mean, it is a long time, but there are uh, quarantine protocols. So, um, I would say he is the least likely to be in Debasi all depends on his health, where he's at. Um, and I know last week in the media availability, he kind of hinted that he was close and obviously a bye week kind of gives him that, but, you know, we've seen great stuff from Ritalo. We saw some good stuff from Coleman tonight. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, uh, but I think Unu, he, he uh, has been confirmed from, from, or I guess not confirmed, but uh, Cal Williams has said based on the quarantine protocol that, that Unu would be available for that May 29th match uh, against RSL. So I would expect that he would probably start. But, I mean, Fragapani, you got to get him signed first. And then Debasi, all, all depends on the health. Yeah, just judging by the articles, I think I think you're right. I the language from Heath, who I always tell people on my podcast, I think Heath typically says things how they are. He doesn't really send us in wrong directions uh, ever. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I can't think of a moment where he said something and it didn't turn out to be true. Yeah. So that would lead worse, me, to, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would lead me to believe that Baki is playing against RSL it's it's two weeks from now Heath is talking as if Baki's almost 100% now so that would lead me to believe that we're going to see Debasi against RSL probably going to see him start um just with Hunu we have a we have a history of when we get a shiny new toy not necessarily starting them but we tend to give them their appearance uh the game has right like when we threw in Reynoso, uh, shortly after his arrival last year, I believe we were losing uh, quite a bit. And I believe that the game was already out of hand Mm -hmm. when we threw him in. But we do have a history of putting these players in later in the game. And I would assume, based on what we've done with Reynoso, Abila, I would assume that we're going to see Hunu. I think you're right with Fragapane. I we forget that he's not signed yet. We talk (laughs) about him so much, like he's already a part of the squad, but he's still starting at Tolaris. I have I have the notifications on my on like my my thought mob app. Like I have the Franco Fragapane notifications up, and every every three days, Franco Fragapane in the starting eleven for Tolaris. So it's like, well, he's not coming to Minnesota net right at this point, you know. So just it's yeah. just the wait and see game on Fragapane. I mean, I think there's enough there's enough talk and there's enough kind of hinting that he's going to be signed at some point that. I wouldn't call it inevitable, but there's a strong, strong chance it happens. It just all depends on when, right? Um, 
so he's not signed now with quarantine protocols. Even if he signed tomorrow, I, I'm not 100% sure he would be he would be starting or even make an appearance against RSL. So we'll have to see. Um, the only thing with Unu is Abila is also kind of coming off of an injury. Um, he's still working his way into fitness. So maybe that does impact the decision and maybe that does make Heath a little more willing to put Unu in the starting 11 when we get to that you know, right away, right off the bat, considering uh, maybe he doesn't want to run Abila ragged. Um, it, it just, it just all, all depends. And it all depends on what formation they go. A lot of it does depend on Debassi because Debassi being in the starting 11 or not in the starting 11, I think is the biggest factor in terms of what formation Minnesota United goes with. I think if you have a healthy Bakai Debasi, you can you are very able to go with the traditional 4-2-3-1. If you don't, that makes you more likely to start Ozzy Alonso. And we have seen Ozzo uh, Ozzo Ozzy Alonso work more in the 4-3-3. So it, it just I guess it all kind of depends, which is a terrible answer to that question because we're supposed to be offering our takes and our kind of predictions here. Uh, but, um, yeah, I would, I would think Unu, I would put probably 60, 40 that he would start against RSL. Debasi depends on the health and Fragapane. I, I don't see it uh, on, especially if he gets, I mean, even if he gets signed tomorrow, I don't think, think he would be able to, to suit up against RSL. Yeah. And if, and if I was to give, summarize my answer, I think based on what Heath is saying, I think we're going to see Baki Debasi, uh, starting against RSL. I, would be I would flip it. Uh, you you said sixty forty in favor of Hanu starting. I would say I'm forty sixty. Okay. I I I think we're gonna see Lud start up front, and we're gonna see Hanu come in later. Okay. Um, again, that is just based on Heath's word on when his arrival is supposed to be, and just our precedent for how we tend to handle these situations. Yeah, could be uh, wrong. I don't. I don't really care if I'm wrong. Uh, in in terms of Frega <laughs> Penne, I just want him in before we lose Lud and Gregish to the Euros. As long mm. as we get him in before that, and he can be in our mix uh, for as we try to figure out what to do when they're gone, I'm happy. Yes, uh, I, I think that is that is crucial too to have that left wing position solidified for for when we lose guys like Lud because you need a quality person in there to sort of make you know fill that role, right? Um, we haven't seen Nico Hansen; uh, he's been hurt, uh, and I think he would have been the guy to start at left wing um, if he was healthy against Seattle. Um, so it just it, again it all depends, but I think that's a very good point, Sam. That if, if Fragapani can be in. By the time international duty hits, that will that will make up for a lot of what Minnesota United will lose with Robin Lude. Now, again, we just talked about how crucial Lude has been, but having Fragapani in there will at least pick up some of the slack that you lose with Robin Lude. Uh, before we move any further on post lose, I also want to let you know that we are proudly presented by our good, good friends at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. Again, if you want a free one-hour field rental at their facility at 801 Ninth Street Southeast in Minneapolis, just leave us a comment or question to be read on the air. It does have to be about the match, but if you include a coffee cup emoji in that comment or question, we will know that you want in on that one-hour field rental at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. Beautiful indoor field there uh, in Minneapolis. Such a great facility. Go check it out. Um, and again, comment or question on the match. Leave a coffee cup emoji somewhere in that comment or question, and you'll win that one, or you'll be entered to win that one-hour field rental 
at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. Now, you can rent the entire field or half the field all to yourself uh, if you do want to book a field rental, or you can complete in weekly pickup, just $5 to complete in weekly pickup at Ninth Street. And they have two-hour Thursday pickup. Uh, I don't know. I actually don't know if that's still going, so I shouldn't say that, but at one point, they did have two-hour Thursday pickup. That was 10 bucks, uh, which is cool. Um, and uh, they have summer pricing right now. So it's even more affordable now than it was before. And it was very affordable before. So it's even more affordable now to book a field rental or compete in weekly pickup at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. Um, if you're interested or just want to learn more, go to NinthStreetMPLS.com. That is NinthStreetMPLS.com if you want to uh, check, out, check out our good, good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. And again, I would highly recommend it. 801 Ninth Street Southeast in Minneapolis there. Good friends of uh, of the pod and of the post loons. Very, very happy. Um, speaking of comments and questions, Dave Stevens says, was the offside trap part of Minnesota's game plan tonight or were the 10 plus FC Dallas offsides on them? I think the final tally was 11 offsides for FC Dallas. Um, I don't know. I don't know if necessarily the, I mean, an offside trap is something that I think, you know, almost every soccer team tries to implement in some way, shape or form. Um, I don't know if that's really ever been a focal point of Adrian Heath's defensive system. Um, I think a lot of it, if I'm just, if I'm, if I'm, you know, just looking at this and trying to come up with an answer, I would say that FC Dallas being the more rested squad and Minnesota United theoretically being, you know, their third game or third match in a week being, you know, a little bit more winded, a little bit more tired. FC Dallas, that might've been FC Dallas's game plan was to just flirt around that, that offside line and, and try to, and try to get a run and try to catch them. Um, and try to sort of toe that line as much as they could to try to get in behind. That would be, if I were to just throw out an answer to that, that would be, I think, the biggest contributing factor to that. I think it was more Dallas than it was Minnesota. But either way, it just got more and more kind of funny to me every time it happened. And of course, the match ends on an FC Dallas offsides, which is just so fitting. The other thing that was just funny was just how late all those calls were. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the the I don't know if the flag went up and the whistle just didn't blow, but or if the linesman was just getting tired. I mean, he has to be like ice in his shoulder right now for how many times he's lifting that flag up. Like, my goodness. But you're right. All those calls, it was like, man, they came in so late. But I, I mean. Yeah, and I, I don't have much more of an answer to that question than what Jeremy just said. It It's not typical of Minnesota United to try to just... Uh, it's not typical of Minnesota United to just try to put that into their game plan more than any other team. So I, I would say it's more on Dallas, but... Yeah, I, I, I'd be I, interested I to hear what Heath had to say about that. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, get the post game press conference quotes here, um, you know, and and we'll have those for tomorrow for sure. But, anyways, moving on as we continue kind of through these game notes here, uh, Roman Metinair had a couple of excellent chances on goal. Um, a Chase Gasper cross. We just talked about Gasper's quality in the attacking third across that. It was a great cross. Didn't really find anybody in the box, but kind of went through the box and ended up at the feet of Metinair. Sends it wide. And then a little bit later on in a sequence that had me like on my feet, on my toes, just kind of like hands over my mouth was uh, it was the, the sequence of, I believe the same sequence as the handball where uh, Will Trap uh, sends one off the shoulder or the elbow, whatever you want to say of a, of an FC Dallas player. Um, and then somehow off a rebound, the ball ends up to Metinair 
and he has a you know a, a golden opportunity on goal, sends it right at Felipe. Um, but going back to that uh, that handball call, I was kind of against the popular opinion. Obviously, Minnesota United fans normally would be for a handball in that situation. Even Cal and Kendra were saying they thought it was a handball. While th- so, when they freeze framed it, obviously it looked like his hand was in an unnatural position. But it, as they progressed it forward, he was definitely, to me, trying to move it behind his back and move it out of the way of the ball. And I thought it, I thought it caught him in his upper arm or his shoulder as opposed to like his forearm or his hand. And, and to me, when I saw that initially, I was like, I think, I think he's making enough of an effort to at least get his arm out of the way, even though it was in the way at, at initially, that I didn't really think they were going to give the handball. What did you think? Yeah. It's obviously I, I wanted the handball uh, for selfish reasons, but it kind of goes back to that will trap handball against Seattle or against Seattle. There were two, there were no, there so were there were two there potential was handballs. It was like four minutes apart. Yeah. There was a handball that was called on min, or uh, that was, was not called on Seattle. And then four yep. minutes later, a handball that was called on will trap. Um, I said, initially I thought both of those were, in their own way, good calls, but it's not a very good look though. When you have two very similar situations that kind of toe the line of handball or not, you don't give it to one team. And then four minutes later, you give it to the other. I understood kind of how that looked and how that could leave a really sour taste in the mouth of Minnesota United fans. But, um, but at the same time, you know, I, I do think both those were good calls. I thought tonight's call was a good call, but I can definitely see that frustration for sure. Well, and I, I forget if it was you or Grant during that episode of Post Loons. I forget which one of you said it, but there's the language of the law and then there's the spirit of the law. And right when when you see the players clearly trying to put their arm out of the way and trap it, I, I don't know where that ball was headed, right? We we don't have all the replay angles to see where where exactly that ball was headed. It didn't look like it was headed towards the goal, and it didn't look like it was an especially great pass towards Abila. I might be wrong, but I don't I don't necessarily think that that player for for Dallas interrupted um interrupted what was going to be a clear goal scoring opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um and I definitely don't think that they meant to do it. They clearly were trying to get their arm out of the way. So Mm. in that sense, the spirit of the law would mean that that wasn't a handball. I, I don't know. I think think it was close and it was subjective, right? I also think that there's something like if you're a fan of the premier league, you are just so like dead set against any handball call at all. Or like any any direction a handball call, like you have like lost trust at all in the ability for <laughs> officials to call a handball if you're a fan of the Premier League. I actually think VAR and calling of handballs specifically has been so much better in MLS than it has been internationally uh, this year. Um, it's just been an absolute dumpster fire in the Premier League. Um, and I think if you're a fan of the Premier League, you do ha- kind of have that bad taste in your mouth, especially when it comes to handballs. Uh, that you know everything's called a handball in the Premier League, but we can't get a handball call in Minnesota. What's going on, right? So I, I do, I do kind of, I do kind of get that. Uh, but at the same time, I do think MLS officials have done a great job uh, you know, interpreting the handball call and and uh, and and making those correct calls at least, uh, or or at least like the the just the the overall like okay the calls that make sense right 
I, I think mostly that that's that's what I'm getting to with that. But anyways, moving on from the handball. But before I do, I got to get Dave Stevens giving me a thumbs up here. Uh, good take regarding the freeze frame. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Um, only sub that Adrian Heath made tonight was Ramon Abila on for Ethan Finley. Obviously, he played a, a huge factor in the attacking third. One um, late one. There was a late on one. Late. Man, see, so I get ready for the stream here. So I like, you yeah. know, if we're in stoppage time, if we're super late in stoppage time, I kind of am like half paying attention because I'm trying to get ready for the stream. That's the second game where I've missed a sub. Uh, but anyways, um, so yeah, so two of the, and it, it, they are still allotted five substitutions in the three windows, I believe this season uh, in MLS. Um, so again, and, and you're talking about the third game in a week. Um, so again, a more, more criticism probably coming down the pipeline regarding Adrian Heath and, and his substitution protocol. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm not a Heath out guy, but I do echo that, that criticism with it. And Heath always does say in the post game media availability that he doesn't understand our obsession with, with substitutions. But at the same time, like if we're touting this club as this, this super deep club with, with quality down the, down the lineup, down the 18, utilize it especially when you're in a situation where you've played so much so often recently like why not utilize that depth and i mean this is the third straight game where we haven't seen justin mcmaster or at least we only seen him uh, was he the late sub no it he came on for reynoso and okay reynoso really took his time leaving the field it was awesome yep, yep. as as you do when you have the late lead yep. but anyways uh yeah it's his third straight match where we haven't seen justin mcmaster and he's been excellent um, it's just, so that's just one specific, specific instance. Jacory Hayes has only made one appearance. So it's, it's just, it's those types of no, things. No, he, he's made more than one. Has he I, made more than one? I think maybe it was the last game. It, it was too late. I know games. he was he on, in the, I know he was on in the last match. I, I haven't, didn't remember him coming on before that, but, but you're probably well, right. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, this is the second one. That, okay. That's what I meant. This is number two. Yes. Yes. Okay. So tonight counts as number two, but anyways, so a few minutes from Jacory Hayes tonight. Um, so I, I just, I just, the, the quality and depth that this team has, I feel like it can be, it can be utilized more. That's just my whole, my whole thinking of it. What do you think? I, I mean, it worked out. I, Adrian Heath is the coach. He knows he's in hot water. He's been right. Like Adrian Heath, no, I, I just looked this up. Jeremy, do you know how many major league soccer coaches are long, have, have been coaching for their team longer than Adrian Heath has? So Adrian Heath is in his fifth season. How many MLS coaches have been doing this longer than him for the same club? How many? There were like 24 teams in 2017, I think. So I'm going to say less than half. I'm going to go nine. Three. Oh wow. I didn't know. Wow. That's crazy. Peter Vermees, Jim Curtin for Philadelphia, and Brian Schmetzer. Just those three, and then it's Adrian Heath. You're talking about so, three of the best coaches in the game. Like three coaches, all three coaches were, you know, the last time the US men's national team position came up. Uh, both all three of those coaches were, uh, were included in that conversation. So that's pretty good company, right? Right. And it, you know, it's not all firings, right? Like some coaches just move on, uh, yeah. to bigger, better things or to, to other things. But it, what I'm getting at is Adrian Heath knows the situation he's in. 
He's been around the game for a while. He knows it's a results-driven business. He talks about us, talks about this all the time about how it's a results-driven business. He knows that he's in hot water and he's trying to save his season for, for the team. He's trying to get back into the conversation of Western Conference contenders, and he's trying to save his own job. And if he wants to do that with the same guys that he has been trusting game after game, that that's his decision to make. And mm. that's his decision for us to watch on the sidelines. And that's just the roles that we're in. And fortunately, it worked out tonight. Uh, mm. fortunately worked out tonight and the conversation will not be about should Heath have subbed more people. Um, if right, like right around when Kendra was talking about how gassed our players were starting to look, if Dallas on that counter attack would have converted damn right. We'd all be talking about what is Heath doing? Yeah. Why didn't he work in his subs more, but that didn't happen. So, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you get a, you get you get the result you want. You've gotten the result you want the last two matches. So again, you know, uh, at the ends the ends do justify the means, I guess. In in that particular case, um, I just I wonder when you get into the dog days of July and August, when you're kind of playing midweek weekend, midweek weekend, multiple weeks in a row. You know how that how that looks, and and where where the substitution protocol may change or may stay the same and how that will affect Minnesota United in that regard. But either way, tonight you get the three points. So like you said, that's not where the conversation is. You know, good thing. <laughs> good thing. Um, so actually, uh, I, I got the sequence wrong. So the trap handball, or excuse me, the uh, the, the almost handball um, actually ended up in a uh, Emmanuel Reynoso curler that went wide. And then a few minutes later was Metnair finding the ball at his feet inside the box and firing it right at Felipe. So I just wanted to correct myself there. Um, let's let's get to that sequence where Minnesota United almost went down in the 89th minute. Uh, this is the second straight match where late an opposing player is just sort of broken free and kind of almost had a, a clean shot on goal. Now this is also the second time where the defense has recovered well and and forced uh, a less than quality shot. Uh, but this time it was Dante Seeley uh, receiving a pass. Uh, luckily, like I said, Coleman was just able to recover, force a weak shot right at Miller. Um, and like you said, this came at the exact time that Kendra de St. Aubin is saying, oh, these guys are gassed. These guys are tired. We need clean, we need, uh, clean legs, fresh legs, I should say. Uh, and uh, it does almost cost them. But luckily, luckily again, um, the defense was able to recover and uh, Minnesota United State level. Last week, it almost cost them the lead. Tonight, it would have been a Dallas lead. But again, uh, things things stay level, and uh, we don't have to worry about that. Absolutely. And then 94th minute, let's talk about the goal. Ball cleared off the line after a Minnesota corner. Goes right to Robin Lode tucks it away. Not the prettiest goal in the world, but it doesn't need to be the prettiest goal in the world. Just end, needs to end up in the back of the net, and it does. Uh, Minnesota United goes up 1-0. They hold on to that lead. Um, and this was really late on, the pressure. From the 80th minute on, Minnesota United just applied the pressure. Ramon Abila with a great chance. Metnair, Reynoso. Like it seems like everybody just had a shot on goal or had a, had a had a good had a good opportunity, I guess uh, I should say, in those final ten minutes or so. Um, and that was that was where that effort comes into play, right? Because they had to be tired, 
they had to be tired considering the circumstances, but they they just kind of find that extra gear somehow and just keep the pressure on. And when you do that long enough, whether it's pretty or not, it will pay dividends and you will find a way to put the ball in the back of the net. And that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what perseverance is. And I loved watching it. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. It was awesome. So one nil Minnesota United wins their second win in a row. They're now sitting on six points trying to climb their way out of that cellar. Right. Um, and they are getting, I mean, obviously now they leapfrog Dallas tonight was actually a six point night for Minnesota United because Dallas was actually sitting in front of them in the Western conference standing. So they actually move up. Um, and, and hopefully this is a continued ascension for Minnesota United. Um, after these two wins, it's hard for me to say the ditch is too deep. I don't think we're looking at second, third, or fourth in the Western Conference anymore, as was pre- as was predicted early in the season. But if you get a couple results go your way, if you know teams like LAFC and Seattle, you know, keep you know, maybe, I don't say to keep struggling. I don't expect them to keep struggling, but but you know, if they can if they can find ways to sort of stay in the middle, bottom of the table. Um, you have a real shot to climb up and uh, and solidify a playoff spot. Uh, you know, as we head towards you know when we get to the latter portions of the season, I, I should say it's going to take them the whole season to crawl back up. But they do have a good shot, and and you know, people always like to uh, tweet out that you know, okay, Minnesota United needs like 1.66 points per match now, or 1.62 points per match now. Well, each time they win, that number drops a little bit, right? You need less when you win more. And if Minnesota United can just keep winning and, and putting together results, it doesn't need to be a win every time out. It just needs to keep putting together results as they did late in the season last year. They're going to find themselves in a really, really good position when you get to the latter portions of the season. Yeah. And, you know, Jeremy, I know I'm on your show, but on Thursday morning when I was listening to Post Loons, uh, I had the day off of work. I was doing some gardening and I'm listening to you and Alex talk about what should the expectations be for the end of the season. And y- you were kind of with the mindset that you just wanted to see things be competitive again. And Alex was like, no, I, I want the playoffs. There- there's no reason why we can't be in the playoffs. Well, and I want the playoffs too, but I, I think you- I- it was more like we need to crawl before we can walk situation. We need I to get put that, together yeah. some solid performances and hopefully solid performances lead to results, which will lead to you getting in a, in a possible playoff position. But at, I was just at that point and I still kind of am there and just looking for the consistency that can hopefully get them there. But I, I do get your point. Yeah. It, it's just, there's no reason why this team can't fight and get into the playoffs. I've seen a lot from this team between today and Wednesday uh, to show that they're not giving up and right. As a fan, that's what you want to see as, as a fan, you want to be proud of the players that are out there representing you for the past two games. We have, we have seen them persevere, not to keep using that word, but we have seen them persevere and this, this should, there's no reason this shouldn't be a playoff team. I agree. I agree. Um, again, if you have a comment or a question, uh, we're kind of going to be moving on from the match tonight and talk about what's to come for Minnesota United. So if you have a comment or question on that, definitely uh, drop it here, whether you're watching on Twitter or YouTube. And again, Night Street Soccer and Coffee will be giving somebody who comments a question or a comment on tonight's match or uh, just on Minnesota United in general. They'll be giving them a free one-hour field rental. All you got to do is in that comment or question, Drop a coffee cup emoji to let us know 
that you want to be uh, enrolled in that. So two weeks off now, Sam. Much ne- I think a much needed break coming off those three matches in a week. Um, you get. Can, sorry, go ahead. You gonna set up a uh, friends of 10K session at Ninth Street Soccer? I you might come and kick I it might. around. You know, I don't think you want to see me kick it around, but uh, I can. You know, I can definitely go out and try my best. Uh, yeah, we might need to do that. We might need to get a Team 10K, uh, uh, maybe pickup match or field rental going over at Ninth Street. I'm sure Derek would be happy to uh, happy to hook me up over there. So maybe we'll get that going. Maybe we'll get that going. That's a good idea, Sam. I may uh, I may keep that uh, keep that in mind moving forward. Um, well, we got to get Alex from Dummy Run because he I, shoot. Alex, sorry for embarrassing you here, but his former, I think it was his MySpace profile, or maybe it was his AOL instant messenger screen name was Soccer God. So have have you known him long enough to know that? Or is he divulging that information publicly? It came out in conversation. Yeah. He was he was uh, Soccer God. No, I just I don't met know him. if I would be telling people that if that <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anyways, so, we love you. So whatever team I'm on, Soccer Gods team. That, okay, I, you're I'm on, on Soccer, soccer Gods, Gods team. team. All right, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Um, so uh, let's move on uh, and talk about what's to come here for Minnesota United moving forward. Off next weekend, uh, so May 29th, they will be at RSL, the revenge game against David Ochoa. I can't wait to see what uh, what the uh, Minnesota United supporters will have cooked up on social media for David Ochoa. Um I know recently they have been going through like the the Twitter feeds of opposing goalkeepers and finding things to uh, to sort of uh, razz them over. Um, obviously, you won't have to dig too far for David Ochoa. So, I'm interested to see uh, the conversation on Twitter as we head towards that one. Um, at RSL, it's going to be a big one. Um, RSL still hanging near the top of the Western Conference table. So, um, that's going to be, I think, a little bit of a measuring stick game for Minnesota United to see where they're at. Uh, because, uh, you know, the last two wins have been great, but Vancouver and FC Dallas are near the bottom of the Western Conference right now. So, um, you know, you definitely want to see where what Minnesota United can do against that higher quality competition. Again, I don't know where RSL is going to end up, but they're they're up there right now. So that'll be a good measuring stick match for Minnesota United. And then you get another break, the international break. And then you don't play again until June 19th when you're at FC Dallas and then back at home June 23rd against Austin, or excuse me, not against Austin. Um, who do they play on the 23rd? Do you know off the top of your head? I have Austin on here, but I know that's not right. You're 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 putting me on the spot. Um, I know. No, I, I do not. I do know Austin is supposed to be the first game that we're back in what is near to be full capacity. Oh, yeah. No, it is Austin. It is okay. Austin. Okay. I was right. Okay. Why did I doubt myself? Anyway. Yeah. Cause it is awesome. my, my mindset was we can kind of write some of our wrongs, get this boogeyman yeah. off our back and yeah, go into RSL. We have Austin again, both horrible losses for us that we're trying to forget. Well, this is a great way to forget about those. And I said it last week, this, uh, this is going to be huge, uh, getting, getting full capacity back at Allianz field for Minnesota United. Cause if they are going to start putting more results together and doing what they need to do to get, to get back into a playoff position, they're going to have to get results at home and a big, a big factor in getting results at home is having that full crowd and having that atmosphere that Allianz field has had being that fortress that it has been uh, you know, over the, the first season that, uh, that we were able to have fans there. I mean, Minnesota United had a great home record, even when they were at TCF and struggling 2018, they had an excellent home record. So um, Western or the, uh, the home home cooking 
once we get back to full capacity is going to be huge for Minnesota United in terms of getting those results. And obviously having full capacity is going to be a, a huge factor in that. I hear that. Yeah. I, I still, so you, you bring up 2018, 2018 was the last time I heard Wonderwall in person because in 2019, even though I went to five games, they were all draws. Oh man. That is, I guess I, I saw him win at Madison, if that counts. But other than okay. that, it was all draws. So, yeah. my first Minnesota United match was 2018 as well. They beat the Chicago Fire, and they actually went to the 2018 home 2018 home opener at TCF. Um, I was not a Minnesota United fan when I went to that match, but I left a Minnesota United fan. There you go. I, uh, I was just I was immersed. So that's how uh, that's how my Loons fandom uh, became and. Uh, luckily I've had great luck attending Minnesota United matches. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen them lose, to be honest. Um, I went, oh no, they lost, did they, did they lose or draw NYCFC in the Allianz field opener? Did they lose, did they lose that? It was a draw. It was three, three, right? Okay. Uh, so yeah, so that was a draw. So yeah, I don't think I've ever seen them lose. I was at the first Allianz field win because I wanted to go see Wayne Rooney and they were playing DC United. So uh, yeah. I was there for that one. So that was, that was, that was really cool to see that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just having the fans there is going to be huge again. I've definitely seen them lose at, at TCF, <laughs> not at Allianz, but <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen them lose. I saw them lose a ton at TCF in 2018. I'll tell you yeah. what. Anyways, though, uh, moving mm-hmm. on. So let's talk about the international break a little bit because we're for sure losing uh load. Raitala and Gregush to the Euros. I, be, I believe it's the Euros. And yeah, that's that's starting in June. Yes. So, and then I'm to be honest, Dave Stevens asked, "Do we know who else is going?" Um, I'm not 100 percent sure what other international fixtures look like. I know some some uh, regions are ho- trying to get some World Cup qualifiers in during that time. So there may be more than that. I don't know if you're going to be losing Dane to Canadian international duty. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to look, but I know the three for sure, right? Lude and, and Gregush are going to be gone, which Lude and Gregush are two big, two big missing pieces. Luckily, at least in the defensive midfield, you have four, you have four guys you can plug and play, right? Um, so you still have depth even without Gregush there, which is great. Um, load, as we mentioned, it'd be great to have Fragapani in at that time, um, to make up for that. If you don't, you're going to be sort of mixing and matching like, like you've like, uh, like they had been early in the season when things weren't going well. Um, so hopefully that doesn't become a bit of a groundhog day situation there, but, um, how are you feeling about this upcoming international break, Sam, and, and the, the missing pieces and how, uh, we could potentially make up for those if we can make up for those. I, I I mean, first of all, I'm excited to watch our players play in the Euros. I love watching the Euros. That's going to be awesome. And I'm very proud to say that my, my favorite MLS team is sending guys over there that, that is something I'm excited about. I'm going to be cheering for Finland and Slovakia. um, And it's going to be a good time. I think you're right in saying that the replacing Gregush just given that we have the depth between Trap, Ozzy, and Hassani, that seems a little bit more obvious. Whatever sort of combination uh, we we want to pull out in there, we're we're going to figure that out. 
Um, mm. You know, as long as there's no injuries. <laughs> yes. W- what to do about Robin Lud? I, I think Ethan Finlay is an obvious answer over there. Yep. We know that Heath continues to trust Ethan Finlay. Uh, we we continue to see Ethan Finlay out in that role that Robin Lud is slotted into anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Robin Lud has been playing striker. So we've been seeing Ethan Finlay out on the right wing anyway. So I, I have no reason to think that we won't be seeing a heavy dose of Ethan Finlay out there. Um, obviously, Hassani is going to be in the rotation. We've we've seen this now. Um, Hassani, while he may not technically be part of our best 11, if we were to put out our optimal lineup, he starts almost every single game. Hassani is a is a starter for Minnesota United. We're going to see him play a lot, whether it's on the right wing in place of Robin Lud, or if it's uh, in, in place of Jan Grigish uh, playing in the center. Um, I know a lot of us would like to see Hassani spend more time in the center. So hopefully we can work him in into there, but it's, it, you know, it, it just, it seems like he's up for the challenge, no matter, no matter where, where he is, even if it's on the left. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Fragapane coming in will make things a lot easier to try to work out a lineup. So we're not trying to put people too far out of position and just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. I think Fragapane will really help with that lineup construction. And I, I think, like I said earlier, as long as he's in before those guys go to the Euros, I'm I'm cool. All right. Uh, I, I agree. And I think that that's going to be kind of a huge factor in that. So, um, full disclosure, I wasn't able before the stream started considering the late goal and considering how distracted I was by that. I wasn't able to get some tweets ready for tweets of the night. What I am going to do though, uh, shout out Bridget McDowell from the Minnesota football show and switch the pitch. We're just going to read some of her ba- best eight word reactions that she garnered, uh, from Twitter. So let's go right away. Our friend, Mark Fangmeyer from 55 one, his eight word reaction is garbage goals count the same as pretty ones. Uh, definitely agree. Uh, Grant, good friend Grant from Dummy Run Podcast, Robin Load and Michael Boxall are supremely underrated. I think Robin Load is kind of crawling out of that underrated hole because I think people are starting to uh, really realize how how much they should rate Robin Load, uh, considering his play so far this season. Um, let's see. <laughs> Uh, there, there are a few ones that I, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say. Uh, this is. <laughs> Uh, let's see at E M O E B Y emoby Maybe, uh, this is the team we hope to see. I mean, this is the team that we have seen in years past when Minnesota United have been at their best solid back line, find a way to get a goal, consistent possession. You know, even if you're not winning the possession battle, which Minnesota United never really wins the possession battle too consistently, but they make the most of the possession that they have. And that's what they, that's what they do did tonight so i think what we saw tonight was definitely more vintage minnesota united in a good way like 2019 2020 minnesota united than what what we've, what we've seen in the past and then uh bill sakura says the second uh, abila comes in we wake up and i did want to comment on that that's something i didn't have in the notes but something that stood out to me at the time you could tell when ramon abila came into the match like the energy just picked up it picked up in the building and I do think that translated to the players on the pitch. And I think that was part of what really was able to give them that kind of final boost, that final wind to get them through to the end and end up getting that goal. 
I would agree. Yeah. I, I definitely would agree. You can just see the quality that he brings onto the pitch whenever he's on the field. I, I do still see him as a later in the game substitute. I do not see him yeah. as a starter. Uh, part of that is because we're being told that he's not 90 minutes fit yet. So yeah. I, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and think that he's going to be starting against RSL, uh, as we talked about earlier in the show. But yeah, I totally agree. He is a quality striker, and I'm glad he's on our team. I completely agree, and um, you know we've had a, we've had a few questions in the past regarding whether they think once you get Unu in and once you get Abila full ninety minutes fit, do does Adrian Heath go to a two striker setup? Um, I think though you have in addition to so Hassani Dotson has been the real really only one that I've seen on this team as like a super sub, right? Like a high quality player that Adrian Heath is able to pick off the bench at any point in any match and substitute in and make that immediate impact. I would put, even right now, Ramon Abula in that super sub category. And once he's fully fit, he is even more so in that category. So I would personally rather see Adrian Nunu start when he's in and when he's able to play and then allow the match to sort of play out and allow, depending on that, allow Adrian Heath to plug Ramon Abula in when, where, and how he deems him most effective in that in that match, as opposed to saying, "Okay, we're going to start you both, and you're both going to go 90 minutes, and best of luck." You know, I don't necessarily think they're both quality, but I don't necessarily think that would be the right move. I mean, I don't think it would be a wrong move. Like, I, I think it would work, but also I think that having Abila on the bench is a huge plus for Minnesota United moving forward as you get into, especially when you consider the, how the help how the middle of the season is going to be. I mean, how July and August always is. I mean, it's a war of attrition. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have um, struggles. You're going to have guys who, even if they're not fully injured, they're they're laboring with something, a hammy, a calf, a, you know, cramping, whatever. So having, you know, a guy like Abila on the bench just, just gives you so much and, and can provide so much in those instances. Yeah, I agree. And not even based on his play, just based on what we are hearing about him. It's, it seems like that's the message that we're getting. He's not necessarily meant to be the starter. He is mm -hmm. that super sub as, as you're phrasing it, he is the person to come in later in the game and make an impact. And I like what I see when you watch, when you watch the European leagues, they have players like that, right? They have really good players that don't start but they still are very important players to their team and they still make an impact. And it looks like we have one in Ramon Abila. I, I completely agree. All right. We've been at this for an hour and 10 minutes. Thank you so much to everybody who's left a comment or a question. We're going to give our final thoughts. So if you want to leave your final thoughts, um, drop a comment on, uh, on face on Facebook, on Twitter or YouTube, whether wherever you're watching. And also if you are watching on YouTube, go ahead and give us a thumbs up. That would be, that would be awesome. Uh, that's actually huge for the stream. And if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who has tuned in or is tuning in to post loons right now. Um, Sam overall final thoughts on the match tonight. Now that this team is two and four, you know, where is your, where is your confidence level at and how much has your confidence level risen in this club over the last two matches? Sorry, what on what scale am I saying my confidence level? Uh, <laughs> one Did to you... 100, one to 10? I don't know. Just but, uh... <laughs> Well, after, after losing the first four, I, 
right? None of us were feeling good, right? We yeah. weren't we weren't feeling good after losing the first two. Felt worse after the first three. Like after the first four, it was the, that the was the fire tough. alarm was pulled after four. Absolutely. It just to see our team well, and to see Heath kind of come out and make the statements that he made and say like we're we're going to get out of this put forth his plan and execute it and and i get i get right like when you win a game one to zero you're kind of doing it in dramatic fashion uh you can't always rely on stoppage time goals uh to to pull out a win but to have two clean sheets in a row right so we're getting back to as you said the vintage minnesota united 19 2019 2020 that we have grown accustomed to uh, where we're, we don't have a leaky defense. So mm-hmm. two games in a row, we haven't had a leaky defense. Uh, we still do have, we do do still have a problem finishing. We still yeah. have a problem getting on that scoreboard. And hopefully the influx of these new guys is going to be the answer for that in the same way that Emmanuel Reynoso was the answer for that uh, for us last year, where, right. Cause we were going through this, this, scoreless rut last year where it just didn't seem like we could get on the board. Emmanuel Reynoso comes in and all of a sudden we are a highly, uh, we're a highly powerful offense. Um, in addition to our stout defense, I am hoping that that is the direction that we're headed. So, you know, going into this sort of bye week, if you want to call it that, that's such an American term, too. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure James, your co-host on Pod on Loons, is just cringing right now at the term bye week. You should ask him. You should ask him on your next episode what he thinks of the term bye week. Because well, and like, he oh, is a big American NFL thing. fan, but okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Yeah, uh, whatever. It's it's ten thirty at night. <laughs> We've been doing this for an oh, hour. And I used it minutes. earlier. I, I, I'm, I'm totally calling it a bye week. I'm just saying, if there's anybody, you know, any, uh, any, any, you know, European based people who are watching this, they're they're probably like, "What's a bye week? Like, what does that even mean?" Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'll I'll just finish, and then I got a tangent. But I I just I think that's very good for our trajectory. I think that that's very good for our confidence to have two wins going into the bye week it just it changes the narrative of the way this season is going so much so my my confidence uh I, I guess my confidence towards us making the playoffs um very high uh yeah. eight out of ten um our confidence towards being true like western conference contenders may maybe a little bit lower uh confidence towards being uh supporter shield uh, contenders probably pretty low but my my confidence is much higher. This team is going to the playoffs. I I don't know if I'm there to say okay, this team is going to the playoffs, but I can see it. Like the vision of the after zero and four, I could not envision this team going to the playoffs at all. It just was it wasn't even there. After after Vancouver, you heard what I said. I was like, I just want to see consistency. I want to see this team take this result and just just play consistently better and put together consistent results. And what I neglected to mention in that rant was that if they did that, obviously they would in turn put themselves into a playoff position. I can see it now, but I don't think it's going to be a position where late September, we have the, the five seed. Like, I don't think we're there. I think this team considering the 0 four starts, I think the only way this team gets in 
is an absolute battle. Like, I think it is going to be bite your nails down to the core, maybe decision day type situation for Minnesota United. And that, I think that's that's what 0-4 gets you. I think I think inevitably, when you start 0-4, if you're going to make the playoffs, it's going to have to be in that fashion. Now, they could prove me wrong and go on a uh, go on a 12 game unbeaten streak, you know, uh, and maybe if they can get the finishing together, maybe they do. But I just I, I think if they're going to make the playoffs, it's going to be very very stressful. <laughs> it's because it's going to be one of those things where it's like a fringe thing where they you know. Because the Western Conference is already so tight as it is, um, I think it won't. It won't. I don't necessarily think they're going to have too much of a problem getting in the conversation. But getting in the conversation, and actually getting in to be one of those seven teams, is completely different to me. And I think that's going to be the 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 over getting over the hump is something that I can see. I just don't know where my confidence level necessarily is in that portion of it specifically. I think they can get in the conversation. I just don't know if they can get there after 0-4. But again, if they keep putting more wins together, it'll just be becoming more and more of a potential reality. So, Well, that that's just it. Is every game is going to bring more clarity. You have a lot of six-point games this season with hardly having any Eastern Conference opponents on the schedule. Yeah, Just six-point games all over the place. Every game is going to matter. We keep playing like we are tonight. If we can get revenge on a couple of, of the teams that got the best of us earlier, I think we're sitting in a good position. That is a great point. I, I just brought up Dave Stevens' comment. Heavy Western Conference schedule this year can definitely help Minnesota United expedite that process of working their way up up the ladder. So, um, Sam, you said you had a tangent. No, I, I just so uh, I reconnected with a friend. I, I actually I studied in England for a while at the University of Winchester, which is kind of by Southampton. And one of my classmates uh, there, or one of my friends and classmates back in back in England, he recently got into the loons because he found pot on you loons and was like, I know that guy. I, I'm going to give it a try. And he told me, and I didn't, I've known him for since 2007. And he just admitted to me now that he calls soccer, soccer. And he says that there are parts of England that, yes, we all knew that soccer comes from the word association football. Yep. Uh, where where they shortened association for soccer, but there he says there are regions of England where they call it soccer, and I did not know that. And he is someone that calls it soccer. He's always called it soccer. So wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find a soccer broadcast from those those specific portions of England and see if the announcers actually call it soccer because that is super interesting. I mean, obviously, yeah, the name originates from England, but um, yeah, that's 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 kind of cool. So yeah. take that football snobs. <laughs> what do you think now? All right. I can't think of a better way to end on Sam. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on post loons tonight. I appreciate it. Everybody go listen to pot on you loons. It's on uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. The Twitter handles right there at pod loons. Um, Sam, anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? No, if you guys are into pub trivia, I host pub trivia a lot. Yes. Just, just reach out. You can find it on my on my Twitter profile, you can find the links to my stuff. Appreciate you uh, uh, mentioning me in the pizza, the pizza tweet. I have had, I've never had St. Louis pizza. I've actually heard St. Louis as much as I, I'm a Cardinals fan. I've been to St. Louis a ton. I've never had St. Louis pizza. And I just, I've only heard bad things about St. Louis pizza. 
So I shouldn't necessarily knock it until I've tried it, but uh, I haven't heard good things. Um, Chicago is great. Low-key, though, um, Chicago deep dish is definitely more of like a a uh, touristy thing. Okay. Like it's people people who who live in Chicago or like originate in the Chicagoland area. Like deep dish, it's so heavy, you can really only eat it like once a year. Like it's just <laughs> one of those things you get so full after eating it, you don't even want to think about it for six months. It's one of those, oh, but it's it's yeah. really good. It's really good. I, we, my wife and I, eat it almost every week. Probably for sure every other really? week. Really deep dish. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Good. Good for you. Yeah, there's a nice, yeah. nice spot in New Hope, so we, we okay tend to frequent that spot. All right, but. fair enough. I stand corrected on that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, Chicago I, I, pizza, yeah. Though speaking of Chicago well, pizza, they they have really good thin crust. Like if you go to Chicago pizza places, don't get the deep dish, get the thin crust because they do really good thin crust in Chicago too. That's like true Chicago style pizza. Well, and I heard St. Louis style doesn't use. 100% real cheese like they'll mix real cheese with processed cheese that it's yeah so that that's more, what more separates it from like what you would get right there's that Minnesota Wisconsin kind of tavern style where it's thin yeah. crust and you cut it into squares St. Louis is like that but some of the cheese is processed which huh. I don't know that just sounds wrong it, yeah it does sound wrong yeah. to me. I don't know. I didn't know that specifically. I just knew that the the reviews that I have gotten on St. Louis style pizza have have been less than positive. So, um, QC Pizza though, there actually is a place called QC Pizza in Minnehaha. Uh, it's it's one of the north suburbs. Yes, because it's it's not. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the north suburbs which is the part of the twin cities I know the least. So yeah, yeah. same. So I, I think it's but, not far from like the three M campus over there. Yeah. So look up QC pizza. Cause I, I'm from the quad cities, born and raised in the quad cities. Um, and so if you go in there, they actually have pictures up on the wall of different landmarks from the quad cities. And so anytime I go there, I like kind of feel like I'm home a little bit, which is kind of cool. Uh, my fiance and I, we, we, you know, during the pandemic, we ordered out from there a lot before then we went there a few times. The guy who owns it is obviously from the quad cities. So it's kind of cool. So, and, and QC pizza, the, the toppings are actually underneath the cheese. That's the difference. The, the okay. cheese is on top and like the sausage or the pepperoni or whatever you have on it is actually between the cheese and the crust. So it's just a little bit different. It's kind of flipped. It's really good though. Very, very good. Would recommend. Look up yeah, I've, pizza. I've been meaning to make it out there because I've just tried the I've Target had that frozen QC pizza and I did try that, but it's a frozen pizza and it tastes like a frozen pizza. I want yeah, the real you gotta, thing. You so. got to get the real thing. You got to get the OG. Um, anyway, I talked about a 10K uh, 9th Street day. Maybe we need to get a 10K QC pizza, uh, QC pizza run going. Maybe I can get them to sponsor the podcast. Maybe we get them to sponsor pot on you loons. Hey, get them sponsor post loons. Who knows? QC pizza, hit us up. Hey, if they have good pizza, I'll do it for free. So there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Sam from Pod on You Loons. Follow them on Twitter at Pod Loons uh, to learn everything about that they're doing. Uh, do you have any? So during the season, you guys drop kind of after after games, right? Do you have a specific day that you guys drop? We always either record Sunday or Monday. Okay. Then put it out right away that night. So okay. You can, Sounds good. You, 
we're always ready for you. It's either your Monday or Tuesday morning commute. You'll find us in your, in your downloads. So, all right. So subscribe to pot on your loons on your preferred podcast platform. If you're still watching the six of you that are tuning in after an hour and 23 minutes at 10 43 on a Saturday night, I appreciate you again. If you're watching on, on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and give us a thumbs up on the stream. We really very appreciate it. We appreciate you watching. We appreciate your questions and your comments. Um, this will be up on the podcast feed tomorrow morning too. So if you'd rather listen instead of watch, you can catch it there. Uh, but uh, for Sam from Pot on Loons, I'm Jeremy Rushing, and we will catch you. Oh, we don't have a post loons for another two weeks. Ah, get a little bit of time off. I love doing <laughs> these, but I'm very, I'm, my, I'm sure my fiance will be happy to hear that as well. So I was going to say with your three podcasts, being able to take a break from one of them has to be pretty nice. It's a huge, it's a huge, it's a huge uh, time, time freer for me to do uh do other things so uh sam i appreciate it man you have a good night thank you to everyone listening and we'll catch you in two weeks on post loons bye take care guys thanks for having me jeremy